You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest edition of the Testudo Times Outtakes Podcast. I'm your host, Lila Bromberg, here with Matt Levine, and we're joined over Zoom today by Maryland football coach Mike Loxley. What's going on? What's going on, Lila? What's going on with you, Zach? Not much, just, you know, we're all staying at home doing this, you know, over Zoom. It's kind of new, but we're very glad that you could join us. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So I guess just kind of first going into, you know, looking back on last season, for you, what was the biggest lesson you think you learned, you know, from your first season as head coach? You know, I think the big thing is, uh, you know, after finishing the season, uh, the end of the year evaluations were really uh, some telling telling things came out of those. And uh, I think the big thing uh, started with trust. And and if you look back at our program and where the program has been uh, the last few years, uh, you know, these guys have had four different head coaches uh, over five years in terms of, you know, Coach Edsel in 15, me taking over as the interim, uh, then going to Coach Durkin and then finishing with Matt Canada. So, you know, with so many, so much change at the top, uh, trust was a little tough to build fast and as we most know in, in, in relationships, the only way trust comes is through time and going through tough times, adversity. And so uh, to me, the, the thing that really jumped out was that there were some trust issues, uh, whether it was coach to coach, player to coach, uh, player to player. And, and what we've done with our culture here the last five months moving forward from the end of the season is, is really work to uh, develop that, that, that bond and speed up the process as much as we possibly could. And what's one thing you think your team took away from last season that they'll look to change in 2020? Well, I think it starts with that a player-driven team is a lot, uh, a lot more, uh, you have more opportunity as a player-driven team to be successful than if it's a coach-driven team, which means the accountability amongst each other and holding each other accountable to, to doing things the right way with the right kind of habits and behaviors that we always talk about. Um, it, it really stood out to those guys. And, you know, we've had some addition by subtraction in terms of, you know, some roster movement and some guys moving on to, to other uh, opportunities. And, you know, I think what we found is that the guys that are in our program, we've had, we got about six weeks of uh, our, our off season training program in before, uh, COVID-19 kind of uh, slowed it down. Uh, I've really liked the direction of our leadership amongst our team. Right. And, you know, you've talked a lot about that, about turning, you know, Maryland football into a family unit and, you know, changing the culture to be player driven. For you, what kind of steps did you take as a coach to really, you know, show the guys that this was going to be a family unit? I mean, it, it starts with communication. Any good relationship starts with communication. You know, we've kind of done some exercises as a family uh, you know, one of the things I think that's been probably the most impactful thing we've done this off season is after every workout, we've had every member of our football family, uh, we get three coaches or, or three players and then a staff member after every workout would uh, get in front of the team and kind of show their vulnerability. Uh, we talk about, we call our three H's. Uh, each guy, each person had to talk about who the hero in their life was. Uh, what hardships they faced thus far in their life and then uh, what the highlight has been of their life thus far. And it's been very telling and it's been an awesome experience to go through this 
uh, with our players and to see the vulnerability that coaches, staff, players have all shown uh, to share some of these intimate things uh, about themselves. And to me, those things have really forged some unique bonds amongst our team because it opens your eyes that, you know, everybody has problems, everybody has hardships. Uh, guys have really taken to uh, being a closer-knit group because of hearing some of these things, and I really like the direction we're headed. And in your mind, what kind of separates a normal team from a family or a player-driven team? Well, I think a family-type team, teams that have that family environment have no problem with uh, calling each other out. Uh, if things aren't right, they have no problems with communicating. Uh, they knock down the walls that usually come. Sometimes you protect your own entity when it's more business than family. Well, we want to crawl, We want to knock the walls down and be able to have really uh, fluid conversations, uh, real conversations, transparent conversations to where – if a guy's doing something great, we need to let him know he's doing something great. Player to player, coach to player, coach to coach. Uh, if a guy's not doing or holding up his end of the bargain, we always talk about it as a football family, accountability is horizontal. Then, then you know, we all are held accountable to do our job to the best of our ability and, and be the best version of ourselves. And so, to me, with family teams, teams that are family-driven and player-driven like that, uh, there, there's, uh, there's no limitations to them. Right, and and you you in recruiting wise, you, you kind of look to get guys out of the DMV and talk about keeping their local talent at home and playing for Maryland. One guy like that is Raheem Jarrett, obviously in the twenty twenty class out of DC, and now you have the number nine class in twenty twenty one in the country with a lot of top local guys. So, what what is your motive to kind of go out and get local guys out of the DMV area? Well, again. As, as most of us know in this business, uh, before you start, you know, mowing your neighbor's yard, you need to take care of your own yard first. And we're very fortunate to be in a fruitful area for uh, high school football. I mean, just looking at the top high school programs in the country, uh, when you follow the USA Today high school rankings, I mean, we'll have three or four schools uh, from this area that are all in the top 25 high schools in the country. So. We don't have to travel very far uh, to get really good football players. And again, I've given and I've said it many a times, you know, the type of coaching in this area that, 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 that these players are getting uh, are allowing these players to go play at a high level at some of the top programs. And for us, if we ever want to turn the corner and, and get the consistency in this program that we've had before, you know, I've been here doing that 010203 run where. You know, we won 10 games a year. We won a conference championship, and we did it with local players. And then I did it on the other side where, you know, I was at a place like Illinois, and we, we had 18 guys from this area on that squad that went to a Rose Bowl in year three of our, of our time there. So this area is such a fruitful area for football. If we can really do a good job, and we won't get them, get them all, but if we can just find a way to get the ones we need uh, that can help us help us turn this program around a lot quicker. It starts with that. Now, again, we do have a national brand, as we showed in the, t the 19 class or the 20 class, where we went to Florida and some other places, Alabama and some other places to get players uh, because of our who we are as the University of Maryland and, and, and our reputation. But if we can do a good job right here at home, uh, we'll have a chance to get this thing off the ground to where we all will be excited. 
Right, and it seems like, especially with that 2021 class, you really see that movement of guys wanting to stay home. And even, you know, a lot of guys seem to be on social media, like encouraging, you know, other top players in the area to stay home. And it seems like that movement that you've always talked about really seems to be taking effect. What level does it add now that guys are kind of recruiting each other and encouraging, um, you know, other top talent in the area to stay home and, you know, make this really a movement? You know, I think the big thing, and it's like being a player-driven team in recruiting, uh, peer pressure is really important. And, and, and raising kids and kids' development, when it's cool to say that I'm going to the University of Maryland, that's when I know we've turned a corner. And, you know, I think we've got a lot of really talented players uh, that, that have interest in Maryland that are here locally. We've got some guys already committed that obviously we can't talk about. Right. But these guys are really excited about the, the direction that we're going. And one of the things that we've done is, again, we're very transparent. Uh, we tell players exactly where we are as a program and why we're in this point. You know, there's a reason we haven't had a lot of success here. And one of the things I point to is we haven't had consistency at the top of the, as a head coach with the four different coaches that have led the program over a five-year period. It's tough to have consistency in philosophy, uh, principles of your organization, and values. So we brought some consistency here, and that's one of the reasons why the 21 class, we targeted it from day one because we knew it would give us two years of really working the consistent messaging of who we are as a program and where we're going and how we're going to get there. Right, and a lot of guys, you know, who have committed and – you know, top talent that you helped recruit in the past, like we've talked to Sean Merriman and other guys like that, you know, talked about a big aspect was that you could relate to them about growing up in the DMV area. For you, you know, what about growing in this area specifically helped you kind of, you know, shape you into the man you are today and makes that area so special? Well, I think this is just the DNA of this area. Um, this area, you know, for as much as people like to think, I mean, it's a, it's one of the richest minority areas in the country. We've got some very successful people and businesses throughout this DMV region. But for me, the DNA of a, of a native Washingtonian or a native Marylander is all about, uh, you know, we're, we're overcomers. We, we, you know, we're blue collar in, in our work ethic, uh, strong value, strong principle. Uh, those are all the things that I took growing up. You know, I grew up in the Southwest, Southeast section of the city to, uh, where nothing is ever given to you. Everything you get, you have to earn and you work for. And I appreciate that. And you value it so much more when you do overcome obstacles and adversity. And for me, you know, that's why my outlook is always the cup is half full as opposed to half empty, because you know what, the way I grew up taught me to make the best out of whatever it is you have. And, uh, you know, don't put the plan B together. Let's just make plan A work. And you stayed home yourself to play college football at Towson. You played defensive back. What would you say was your strongest aspect of, the, of your game in college? Well, I think the big thing was, uh, you know, I had a quarterback back around in high school, you know, playing some quarterback and safety, uh, just really understanding the intricacies of offensive football uh, from a defensive mindset. And even, you know, spending my first half of my career here at the college ranks, I coached on the defensive side before I flipped over back to the offensive side. And to me, I just always took pride in understanding the big picture concepts, uh, how to attack defenses and how to attack offenses. And, you know, I think I, I, it's really molded me and helped me become the coach I've become. And when you look back now, do you have a favorite memory of any game or a specific play maybe? From college? Yeah, from college. 
you know, this, shoot, man, that's <laughs> 30 years ago, a long time ago. But, you know, I was part of a, a, the first class of one AA players to go to Towson State at that time. And, uh, you know, seeing us make that transition, you know, Towson had been a Division II powerhouse uh, as well as a Division three powerhouse, and they made the jump to one AA football in 87 when I came out of high school. And I think, again, going back to that uh, that DNA of this area, you know, one of the things that happened during my time at Towson was with the Title IX uh, emphasis that took place, uh, there was talk about dropping the football program. And I remember after my sophomore year or junior year, uh, kind of, you know, there was talk that they may drop football, they may, may go to non-scholarship football. And what we did was, was really resilient in that, uh, the last couple of years there, we, we competed against some of the best programs. Youngstown State was a national champion program we competed against uh, and, and was and had success. Right, and now you've, you know, worked your way up to head coach of Maryland football. And, you know, as we mentioned, you know, we're doing this podcast over, you know, video call. Everyone's kind of in an unprecedented situation, especially with the team. And I guess kind of first recruiting-wise with dealing with that, how have you been able to continue the recruiting process even without, you know, the opportunity to have players visit and speak face-to-face? Yeah, I think the big thing for us is because of where we're located, Lila, um, we did a good job The staff, our recruiting staff, you know, Taylor Edwards and Will Christofferson, our director of player personnel, along with Marcus Berry and that group of guys, did a great job of identifying the 21 class uh, pretty much as early as January of uh, 19 when we took over and uh, we had this 21 board up and we had the DMV 21 board, which is really important to us. And so we've been able to get and spend a lot of time with a lot of these kids in the 21 class where they had opportunities to get on campus quite a bit. Um, over the course of the uh, two year window, we've had a ton of these local DMV guys on our campuses, on our campus and our offices uh, developing these real close, meaningful relationships that recruiting is all about people. As much as people want to make it into anything else, it's a people-driven business. So uh, with COVID-19 taking shutting things down, we've had a, a little bit of an advantage over some of the other schools that are farther away to that we've had these guys on campus. And so now what we're doing is like we're doing now and using these social media platforms and these uh, Zooms and Facebook. Uh, FaceTime and all those things to communicate with these guys and they got a lot of time on their hands and we're still working to develop those meaningful relationships and we've seen uh, the fruits of our labor kind of show up in that we've got some guys that jumped on board. We've mentioned the the football family that you pride this program on. What have you, your staff and the players been doing during this time to remain connected with each other? Well, I think the big thing is, um, you know, the two-week window that spring break extended to, um, we, we've really put a plan into place as to, you know, we're checking in daily on the welfare of our current current team members and our staff. Uh, we still have our virtual staff meetings like we would have on a daily basis at 1030. We got all the staff on a Zoom, a Zoom call. You know, Sunday we had a Zoom team meeting to kind of set the, the standard for how the teleeducation will work and the obligations and, and what our expectations and standards will be with teleeducation as well as with our continued development of our team uh, through the virtual uh, football meetings that we've been having, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday from two to four. So uh, we've tried to kind of stabilize things and, and make it as normal as we possibly can. And we're very fortunate to have these uh, 
platforms we have and all of our players have the ability via their iPads, their laptops that, that we provided to stay in touch. And again, you know, as much as the world has shut down, it's still important to have this connection and especially, you know, with our players as they, you know, these are just unprecedented times in terms of where we're going and, and how we're going to, how we're going to move forward. Right. And with, you know, the big 10 canceling team activities and things like that, what if you have a team doing at home to stay, you know, physically in shape for the upcoming season? Yeah. You know, with the rules that have been put in place, there's nothing we can obligate them to do. Right. But again, we talked about the accountability piece and, you know, where we are as a program, I feel really good about the culture that we've created to where our guys understand that, you know, the success we have in the fall, if we're able to play football will be a direct correlation to what they do right now on their own. And it's up to them. And that's where being a player driven team comes into play, uh, motivating each other, holding each other accountable to do the necessary things uh, within the safety and the advice of the medical people uh, to, to continue to improve their and maintain their conditioning. Cause I thought leaving for spring break, we had had a really strong off season program. And so, our players understand that the area we've really focused on as a staff is to improve the football intelligence of our team. And that's where these eight hours of meetings throughout the course of a week come into play. And then when we're, when we're open this thing, when we open this thing back up, we'll put the energy into uh, getting the physical, physical part right. Right. And even with all those meetings and stuff, I'm sure you have more free time than you know, you're used to it with a, you know, hectic uh, spring schedule. You were gracious enough to, you know, have media over at your house for a barbecue last year. We've seen, I think you might have the best, you know, quarantine setup of someone I've seen. You've got the go-kart track, the pool, the basketball court. How have you been spending kind of any extra free time you've been having? Oh, that was a, uh, that was an Airbnb house that I had that. Uh, <laughs> I live in a little small apartment. Uh, no, you're right. I'm very fortunate to have a pretty good setup, but a lot of my time, unlike what you just said, I told somebody, I feel like I work a lot harder and it's a lot more work to, to work from home via these meetings that we're having because you have to put in so much preparation. I mean, we spent a week trying to really uh, sharpen our ability to make sure these meetings we have with our players are organized and that they're detailed as well as that the communication piece, you know, trying to show video via flat platforms like Zoom and what's the best way to do it. So it was a lot of man hours to get it to get it just right so that we could best utilize these things to help our program continue to move forward. And you know, I've become a slave to this computer, my phone. Uh, all it seems like every time I turn around, I've got something going on. So I don't know if it's been a, a easy or a, a, a lighter load because I feel like I'm working just as hard. And, um, but again, I'm excited about having this opportunity. So uh, make the best out of whatever it is that comes. And with a lot of free time or more free time, probably, have you been watching any shows, been binge watching shows or any movies? You know, I did a little old school movie watch uh, last week. Uh, you know, I went back to some of the uh, Fridays and, you know, I kind of been into the comedy deal because you turn on your news and there's so much just sad stuff about COVID. So I've been into the big comic comic movies and the, the comedians and watching a ton of those type things that kind of uh, lighten the mood for myself. Have you watched Tiger King or will you watch that? Man, it's funny you ask that, Lila. I tried to watch the first episode probably two or three times and I haven't got through the first episode to the point where I'm hooked. And everybody says you just got to get through the first two or three episodes and then 
you're kind of hooked, but um, I haven't gotten through the first episode of that yet. I uh, had to go back. I watched Ozarks, Ozarks a little, probably five years ago, four years ago, maybe. And, uh, and I stopped at season one, but I hear that it's continued to improve. So I started back on uh, season one again, just to refresh my memory with it. Um, but other than that, man, it's been recruiting calls in the afternoon, staff meetings and football or morning. Uh, we do a ton of recruiting in the afternoon with watching and evaluating film. You know, we use the spring recruiting calendar. The way things are set up, we would t- typically be going out in May to look at or answer questions on some of the 21s, but we've got a lot of those answered. But we would spend a little more time on the 22 class. And so we're building our 22 board as we speak, again, to stay ahead of the curve and making sure that we're some of the first guys in and, and on the 22 guys that'll be coming up through the pipes here at, in the DMV area. Right. And we wanted to end it, end on a fun topic that we've been curious to ask you about. It seems like you're pretty well connected in the music industry. You, you know, you've mentioned being close friends with Citizen Cope. We've seen you interacting with Wally a bit on Twitter. You were kind of chilling with the swag surfing guys at game day. Kind of how have you right. formed all these relationships? Who's who else is on that list? Well, I think the big thing, so I have a nephew, Chaz French, and I'm going to have to give him a plug. Chaz is a local uh, rapper from this area. Um, you know, Chaz is signed to Motown. He's actually coming out with his fourth album on the Motown label. He's dropping a single. I think it's his single is coming out April 9th or 10th. And uh, so Chaz is well-connected. He's done stuff with Shy Glizzy. I was on a uh, Instagram Live last night with a former Terp, uh, Ricardo Young, who's a successful businessman down in Miami, and he had Shy Glizzy on an Instagram Live, and I jumped in on that yesterday. But I, I love music. I'm a big anything DMV, the Nats, the Skins, the Orioles, uh, the Wizards, uh, the Mystics, everything DMV I'm a big fan of. So um, most of the musicians and rappers and guys that have come from this area – uh, I think because of my 30 years of, of coaching and being involved and, you know, there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of intertwining of the sports and the music industry. So I've been very fortunate that I, I've gotten to know quite a few of these guys over the years and a lot of the, the music stuff, either it's through my nephew, Chaz, or just uh, my time here in the DMV. And if your nephew or one of those other guys we mentioned were to ask you to come on a track or a song with them, you think? Do you think you'd be able to hold your own? You know what? I, I, I'm not gonna spit any bars, uh, <laughs> but I, I would get in the music video for sure. Those always seem pretty fun. Yeah, you got to get a Terp music video going. Um, well, thank you so much, Coach, for joining us. I know you know you're busy trying to adjust with everything going on, so we really appreciate having you. It's a shame not being able to see you at spring practices and things like right. that, but. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. And you guys be safe. All right. Thanks Thank so you, much. Coach. Thanks a lot.